I do believe there's good ego. There's a certain level of confidence that comes with ego because you need to be confident, you need to be sure. And at the end of the day, as an artist, as a musician, as a performer, as an entertainer, people are expecting to see a certain level of ego anyway. You know, it's, it's swag, bro. Welcome, everybody, to Nashville Drummers Podcast, Episode 21. Today's guest is Howard Artis. Who is coming off of his AMA performance just a few days ago with six-time Grammy-nominated artist Yola. Howie is a guy who, and I, I think I expressed this in the podcast itself, he's a guy who, as soon as we started doing this, he was on my short list. I was like, man, I gotta get Howie on. I love that guy's playing. He's easily one of my favorite players in town and whenever I get a chance to catch him playing live I always try to do that yeah and as you heard in our little intro teaser we talked a lot about the importance of good ego and how that can really actually help us as performers and entertainers and it was a good conversation also learning about his history playing football so there's a lot of parallels between his athletic mindsets and him as the performer that we know today we hope you enjoy this episode, and we also want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Gotta put your whole life back into perspective. Stop letting these niggas throw you off on a tangent. Dude, Howard, I'm so pumped that you're here, man. Glad to be here, man. We finally got it together. Yeah. First of all, you were one of the first people I had in mind when we were like, oh, we need to find people to have on the podcast. Literally, like, top of the list. I was like, I gotta get Howie. I appreciate it. Because <laughs> the first time I saw you, I think it was uh, must have been Flamingo. Okay. And on the, was, the invite jam. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. I came in and I was like, I'm just gonna come and hang out. And I was told it was cool. It was my first time there. Nice. I walked in and you were playing. And I was like, Who is this dude? He can actually play. This is great. <laughs> this is awesome. But I asked a couple of people, and whoever I was with didn't know. And then I was like, I did research, dog. I was like, Wow. I have to know who this is. And finally, somebody was like, That's Howie. And I'm like. All right, I gotta meet this dude. This guy can really fucking play. <laughs> anyway, I appreciate that, man. Yeah. So here we are. Here we are. Well, welcome to episode twenty-one. Yeah. We're flying through these. Nice, nice. Appreciate you guys having me, man. Yeah, man. So we were chatting just a little bit before. Yeah. So you've you moved here twenty nineteen. You yep. kind of saw the pre-pandemic, last yeah. full life. I got here right before uh, pandemic. Right yeah. before the storms happened. Yeah. Right. Um, right. Probably like late September. 2019. Yeah. When I finally like moved. I had been like coming back and forth for about six months though. Yeah. yeah. Where'd you move from? Uh I moved from North Carolina. Is that where you were born? Uh yeah. yep. Born yep. born and raised in Wilson, North Carolina, small town east side of North Carolina. Yeah. I lived in Raleigh and in the Charlotte area for a little bit. Um while I was there. I've kinda like bounced around, but yeah. Um yeah. Moved from my hometown. Yeah. It's cool. So why Nashville? Yeah. What brought you here? I was actually on the way to L.A. Okay. Um, I had gotten into a school out there uh, for engineering, uh, Musicians Institute. Yeah. And I, I literally was um, doing like a couple gigs with like a couple smooth jazz bands back home. And I was playing with the band with a friend of mine. The name of the group was Nito. And they had a show with Dynamo. And, um, nice. With Ryan. So uh, initially I came up, did the show with the band met all the guys, just networking. A friend of mine who was singing with Dynamo at the time, Imani Wilkins, shout out to Imani, uh, called me, he was like, yo, we're finishing up this tour. 
can you do like two weeks worth of dates? I actually said no the first time because I heard the music and I was like, I'm not going to have time to to sit and play. Right. Because uh, they were doing like a lot of, um, it's very um, fusion heavy, a lot of different parts, a lot of different times, just a complex set that yeah. I didn't feel like I had time for. So yeah. I told her no like twice. And then she called me back again and something was just like, I should probably do this and just kind of challenge myself. I still had some time before I got to school. So um, I did it. I showed up. The day I flew out, they decided to protest at the airport. Mm. So I almost missed the gig. Um, I actually missed the first night, and I met them for the last two dates. Wow. And it was amazing. It was, like, perfect fit. Um, The guys were dope. Like, they just embraced me like another brother. So it was cool. Long story short, Ryan kept calling me for dates. And I got, I came for like three days to do some dates with him and ended up staying for like two weeks just because like people came out to the show, started calling me. And I kind of figured out this, that's how Nashville works. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as networking, it's very quick. Yeah. Um, and there's so much going on. There's somebody that needs somebody all the time. Right. Uh, so it worked every out. Every day. Yeah, literally every day. <laughs> and it's like, so funny how like we hear that kind of a similar story. Like it was just like one gig and it's like a domino effect. Yeah, you know? that's literally what it was. Um, and then Don- it helped because Dynamo was like a pretty big band. Yeah. Like they it's like pretty much. Favorite s- band in Nashville. Hot take. <laughs> yeah, just, dope. I'm just saying. <laughs> Those are the homies. Yeah, like bare minimum was like six guys Yeah, to, you know, sometimes if he has a string section, like 11, 12. Yeah, thirteen guys. So everybody giving you a call or giving you a recommendation. Uh, after a while, it just made sense to be here. Then finally, found out the bass player Zach was from the same city that my dad's side of the family is from in North Carolina. Okay, uh, Goldsboro, North Carolina, mm. and we started chopping it up. He was like, "Man, you should move here." And three years later, I'm still here. Yeah. Wow. Yes. So <laughs> I got here. That's awesome, man. Yeah, man. Now I know I know that like moving here right before the tornado and then COVID like yeah. that's that had to feel like kind of bro I was depressed yeah I was depressed bro because I, I was on the way to LA the school thing was getting ready to work out I still wanted to play drums but I was getting heavy into like the engineering side and the yeah. production side of things so when I got here and it was like fast pace fast pace I was every weekend every day and then the storm hit it's like slight setback because like wiped out pretty much the whole west side of Nashville yeah venues went down it's kind of rough and then COVID hit and nobody knew what was going on right Um, and I actually had it like at the very beginning yeah yeah same Um, they told me I had walking pneumonia before it was like yeah COVID-19 and I thought I was on the way out of here bro it was bad really yeah yeah, it was bad bro we were pretty sick Uh, yeah yeah of course there was no vaccines or you know they didn't even know how yeah they didn't bro flu medicine just like treating like a flu or pneumonia it was just you know survival of the fittest basically um made it through it and then um covid got worse but it was like i'm pretty sure you guys remember but like a lot of people were announcing tours and we had just kind of figured out like what the schedules were going to be for like the next two or three months. So I was actually pretty excited and everything got shut down. Yeah. yeah. Another domino effect. Yeah. Yep. In a bad way. Did yeah. you, do you remember when this is, I just have this weird memory when like, it was like every band put out the same memo. They're like, yeah. Due, due right. to circumstances outside of our control. It was like the, sa- the same exact wording. Copy like, paste. Yeah. For about Whoa. a week. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed pretty like intense for about a week and then 
After a while, everybody was just home trying to figure it out. I think, honestly, I, I think that even though that's a weird a weird time, I'm first of all, I, going through that, dealing with depression from everything yeah. just dropping out, you're like, all right, what am I doing? What's yeah, gonna, yeah, what's going to happen next? But I kind of think that's the best time to move somewhere. Like, okay, because a lot of people left. They're like, okay, yeah. well, I'm just going to go home. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, if you make make it through what you did, then you're like, okay, cool. That door's um, open. Yeah. Point. And I actually, I mean, I went back and forth, bro. Like, I reconsidered LA for a second. Like, I went back home because I wanted to be around my family. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to have two sons. So I wanted to be close and figure yeah. out what was going on. Sure. Um, I made calls to see, like, what areas were doing sessions. And then after a while, I, everybody kind of figured out, like, just gotta do it from home yeah um you start seeing a lot of guys get you know home setups recording setups you start yeah. seeing a lot more producers pop up because you had to do it from home yeah so once i kind of dialed into that i i kind of made a split between north carolina and here because mm. uh, i still had ties with musicians and artists back home so i just took advantage of it yeah. to be well when we didn't have like curfews and cause that was pretty crazy too um, so were you already doing like kind of the producer session stuff before you moved to Nashville? Yeah. Then um, how did you, and you were kind of touching upon it, but if you could maybe go deeper into like pivoting to like, you know, in the thick of quarantine and pandemic, like yeah. what did that look like for you? So I've been producing, I guess I will say legitimately since 2012. Yep. That's when I first uh, enrolled in school to really like get serious about engineering. I've, I've always been able to record and like, come up with ideas but i just wanted to like there were certain sessions i would get in and i just didn't know the lingo hmm. i didn't know the, like the i knew how to get where i needed to go but i didn't know the terminology right. and the shortcuts and all of that so um i ended up going to full sail uh, university did a year there and then after a while the friends that i kind of made and the people i know it was just like it doesn't really make sense for me to go into debt for another year right uh, so i um did that for a year and I started like writing for friends, recording for free. Basically, come over to the house. Let's let's just crank out some ideas. Yeah, I uh, did that for a couple years. So, are you were you pretty proficient across all instrumentations? Maybe being a drummer um, first, but then did you kind of gravitate towards you know like keys and synth and I did. guitar? Or? I um, started off obviously on drums, and then I gravitated towards keys. My sister's ex boyfriend was a phenomenal keyboard player. Yeah. Shout out to Chop. But Melvin Burdell, and he showed me my first chords. Yep. He showed me how to play a C. And C major or C minor? C major. Well, yeah. both. Yeah. Uh, Asking the tough questions. Yeah, today. <laughs> yeah both. Um, he was a uh, he's heavy in like the quartet, also like R and B, Southern Soul circuit. So he showed me a lot. And then on the keyboard I had, I don't remember the exact keyboard, but it was a Yamaha with speakers on it. It's like a super old. Yeah. And I learned how to make beats on that keyboard. Yeah. Then um, my next church I played at had a motif. And I learned how to do tracks on that. Awesome. Translated over to Fruity Loops, FL mm -hmm. Studio. And then my buddy gave me my first Mac setup. Wow. Um, literally, like, gave me a G7. It's <laughs> um, a good buddy. Yeah, yeah seriously. Yeah, <laughs> it was super cool. I, he, he gave me a price, and I showed up. Yeah. He's like, what you been working on? I play with some tracks. He's like, you pretty serious? I'm like, cool. I am. He's like, walks me to the car and like, just gives me the G5 tower, two G7 monitors. Man, that's uh, a good, yeah, that's with a good friend. Yeah, uh, yeah. My, my buddy Adrian Gardner, another bass player, Killing, from back home. But yeah, that's kind of how I got started with that. 
And then I just kept with it. I always tried to like tread the line and like separate drums for production, but it's all music, so it's kind of hard yeah. to. So I've been just incorporating it now and figuring out how to be a better better producer, but definitely like trying to grow as a drummer still. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting because I, I remember being told when I was, I don't know, like 15 or something, like, yeah, a lot of engineers and producers are actually drummers first. Like, really? Like, yeah. Like, wonder why that is. And it's because we have to listen to everything. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we, we have to be so detailed, especially like if you want to get like certain, you know, work, especially with sessions, you have to listen to so many different details and yes. sonics. So it makes sense that a lot of engineers normally, uh, I feel like most engineers are drummers or guitar players. Yeah, I feel I feel like it might be like because of that, the ability to sense when a song's energy isn't right. Like the, oh, for the sure. flow of the energy. Like, yeah, that yeah, for sure. That didn't work. Like you, you guys want it to go here, but it just dies right here. Yeah. Like this this moment, see this, 214? That's exactly when I got bored as hell listening to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. dynamics, man. It's like we have to, we can make or break a song. Yeah. Like we could play it the same way, but if we play it with no dynamics, same groove, same chops, no dynamics, it feels like a totally different song. Yes. So yeah. you understand that as an engineer, because you have to mix that stuff. You have to figure out how to make everything that's loud still sound just as upfront as the softest part of the song. Yeah. That's dynamics yeah. and sonic. So yeah, it works hand in hand. Dude, love it, man. Yeah. I feel like, I mean, I'm curious your thoughts on this, but like the role of the drummer, producer, feel like has definitely shifted right like i feel like it's just be a good drummer is no longer enough right if you want that really top tier gig yeah you almost need to be in that director producer role right i feel like it's a um it's just a help like because drums aren't a melodic instrument right like most of the times if you play keys or if you play guitar rightfully so like most artists will trust them a little bit more just because melodically they can speak the same language versus drums is rhythm yeah, um, if so, you're able to go be like, "Hey, you're you're supposed to play the four right there." That's that's you play the f- that's not that's not right. Yeah, like, just being able to like talk that language yeah. just helps. In 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 my opinion, as a producer, I had to start getting a little bit better at those other instruments, or at least learning the language. Yeah, so that way it would like translate. Um, yeah, because like I said, like when you're playing drums, and it's shifted a lot more now. I think more so because like a lot of the drummers that we look up to our producers are they play you know other instruments it's just you don't always get to see it displayed because obviously they're playing in the drum seat but when you start hearing records or looking up credits and you see like like Sput is a drummer producer but he's one of the most amazing keyboard players I've heard too yeah yeah Yeah. my favorite keyboard player he's killing but it's like yeah oh yeah like it's it's in his roots bro but it was like we didn't get to see that you know for a little while and then we started seeing his name pop up with the the snarky stuff, and then then you go back and you see his name on like the Kurt Franklin stuff and the right. Myron Butler stuff, and this, you know, what I'm saying yeah, he's like, he's been doing that for for a while, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, but now you have like guys like that, and it's and it's been like that even before. But you know, there are other drummer producers, but he kind of opened up that gateway, and now you see it a lot. Right. Um, and I think it's more so like artists feel more comfortable now in my opinion this is no bias to other instruments but drummers are normally a little easier to work with yeah i would agree because we've been overlooked <laughs> we're biased for a, this is a the national drummer right. podcast yeah, yeah. <laughs> been overlooked for a long drummers time are awesome to work with. Yeah. yeah like normally the least paid you know up until a certain point probably up until like 
I'll say COVID is when stuff started kind of evening out a little bit and you have drummers saying like, hey, I, I kind of bring this to the table. More shows are requiring us to do more. Yeah. Most gigs don't want us to show up without a pad, mm-hmm. which means you have to know how to program. You just can't show up with your pad and right. stock sounds. Like they want you to be able to run Ableton or Stems. It's, yeah. But that's that's just a help to you as a, you know, as a drummer. Like you have yeah. more to market You're yourself. You're more valuable, more yeah, hireable, for sure. For sure. You think that also kind of plays into like this world that we live in with social media and like, because you see all these like 19 year old TikTok stars that are playing stadiums. But you know, if if they're on a label, if they're independent, like the budget is pretty low. So then they're having to hire, instead of a whole band, you have like a drummer as a producer, keyboard player, and then a guitar player. Uh, It's like, like you need quality over quantity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like all those factors playing together. I think it's, yeah, I still think it speaks back to like, it just makes you more valuable, like you said, like to be able to do those things. But I, I will say, like with the, with the new generation now or the TikTok generation, if that's what we're gonna call it, they're taking advantage of the platform. Right. Like if I had it when I was nineteen, twenty years old, we were trying to still figure it out. YouTube, hey, like just really came out when I graduated high school, and by my sophomore year in college was when like. We really start seeing concerts and individual clips and like people starting to post old VHS, you know, Dennis Chambers, Royster, yeah. you know, Tony yep. Williams, Buddy Rich clips. Like it was when it was starting to happen. That's like 2008 ish for me anyway. So I feel like now they're just, they're just reinventing the wheel, but they're just like taking it by the head, bro. And they're beasting. Yeah. Like I, I'm all for it because it's helping us too. Like even the, I don't feel old, but right. older than that generation. Yeah, bro, it's helping us. It's it's putting us in front of artists we would have to wait a couple years to meet, have to wait a couple tours to meet. It's you true. Know, um, everybody has access to you, so I do feel like it's um it's made everything a lot faster. As far as like the label um, situation and drummers, I haven't really been in that situation as a drummer quite yet. I've worked with a few artists that have been in like those situations, but I feel like social media helps with that too. Cause if yeah. you're dealing with an artist that's doing that, you can you it can't really hurt. Call. Yeah, yeah. I love that positive mindset because it's so easy. Like the older generation, to just look down on the younger generations. Like, oh, you're yeah. just you know ruining your mind, and you're not. It's not authentic success. But nah, like, yeah, you're, they're using the platform. Like, yeah, they got a different like you know. a different story. That's that's all it is, bro. They just had. They can't help what happened. Right. They yeah, right. I mean, they, they grew up with phones. What, yeah, right. Yeah. The same way we did. Like I've I've been that young drummer before. Like I was the guy that was like wasn't getting a lot of calls at one point. I was the guy that was, you know what I'm saying, kind of being, just not being welcomed by the older generation. I don't even want to call it the older generation, but just guys that I looked up to. Yeah. And then after a while, you become the big brother that you needed. You know what I'm saying? Like I've I've recognized that right away. Like I see those guys. When I see a guy that's saying like, yeah, I'm thinking about moving or yeah, I'm thinking about doing this. I'm like, yeah, do it. What yeah. do you need? Like, yeah, follow that. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I didn't, I didn't really get that. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then it only, not being funny, I feel like that's what's supposed to happen because it helps us too. Like, it does. If I'm networking with you and I'm sharing information with you and I'm sharing, as long as I can trust that you're gonna handle that the right way, yeah, he's gonna call me back. That's that's how you yep. establish it working. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, a, hey, you know what I'm saying? I don't even have to say if you need me. It's just a it's going to happen just because I help him put him in a position. Yep. So I just, I feel like it's a help for, for both sides, bro. Yeah. That's, that's the yeah. thing. Like, and that's such an important note for people. 
that helping people helps you. Helping people will make you better and put you in a better position, like almost without exception. That's how I moved, like playing with one band, then opening for Dynamo. Then Ryan didn't call me, Imani called me, you know, the singer called me, but Ryan saw me, He, he was familiar. Got here, did the gigs with him. Six other people call because they show up to right. a five spot, or six more people show up at Flamingo, and it's twelve gigs. Yeah, here, we, also, here we are. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, that's, that's and now, now you've you've arrived. Arrived. And now you've made it, dude. <laughs> You're, You're on national, national drummer. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, it's, how did I get five steps backwards? <laughs> I actually wanted to take a trip back and actually just let's start from the beginning of of your experience of being a drummer. Where that? Where did that yeah. all yeah. start for you? It started for me in church. I started playing according to my mom when I was three, but I definitely have been playing since I was. You vowed you was earlier. Started. Yeah, <laughs> very, like super yeah. early. A lot yeah. of the my uncle played drums. Uh, my cousin played drums. That's who actually taught me, started me. Uh, my cousin Roosevelt. My dad can play. Um, he's a preacher, but he can he can play. My mom's a singer, so I was always around music. Yeah. Uh, my cousin went to the military. Uh, when he turned 18, and this one I kind of like started playing every Sunday. Hmm. And then growing up in church, obviously you play. I grew up in a Baptist church, so we played a particular style of gospel uh, church, but gospel music is so, it takes from every yeah. genre and style. So I kind of played some of everything unknowingly. I did that up until, well, forever, but uh, I started playing in school my middle school, sixth mm. grade. And I played sixth grade through eighth grade. Uh learned how to read basic rudiments. Is there a marching band too? I didn't march. So marching band uh in North Carolina, well in my area started high school. Mm. So about ninth grade. But I they made me choose. So my freshman year I wanted to march. I was in the band and my football coach was like, nah <laughs> like you gotta you gotta pick one. Yeah. And I mean I Sports was everything for me. Football was, oh, really? yeah, football was everything for me. Like I, I come yeah. from a sports family on both sides. Yeah, musical too, but it was just, man, I was just, I loved ball, man. So I did that. I still was playing at church, and literally played. I walked on and made my freshman year in college the football team at East Carolina, and got hurt. Mm-hmm. Also had a kid. My first kid was born when I was 18, mm-hmm. and my pops was like, you got to work. Yeah. So I was trying to do the work thing. <laughs> Those are some big life events. Yeah, yeah. especially at 18, yeah. 19 years old. Make, make you um, kind of rethink. Yeah, you know. everything. Man. Like, and then I was just thinking I had to make money to just figure stuff out. Um, and gigging was the quickest way. I didn't have to work for three days to make what I was going to make at a jazz club or, you know, a any type of uh, open mic or, you know, club at the time. Yeah. I hadn't really started doing a lot of gigs, um, but a friend in the gospel choir at the at the college was like, yo, I heard you play at this church. Come to the meeting. I'm like, cool. He's actually bribing me. I know this is going to sound terrible, but he's bribing me because he's saying there's going to be a bunch of girls there. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm nice. in there. Like, yeah. I just stopped playing ball. You know, I'm injured, trying to figure it out. Yeah, you're uh, young. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like, cool, I'm in there. Of course. Yeah. Uh, start playing with him. He hooks me up with some more friends of his, and they called me for a club gig. And it, that was literally kind of like the start for me, like branching out. Uh, the bass player I met put me in my first play. Yeah. Uh, the guitar player, his brother, had a quartet group. 
he would call me for gigs. A lot of those guys would play with like smooth jazz artists. Yeah. I was still cool with like a lot of the, my college friends and they were doing like more of the local hip hop gigs. And I just kind of like branched out networking, just meeting people. Yeah. Um, were those genres really important to your family growing up? Like were you surrounded by jazz and, and hip hop or? It was gospel, man. I gospel, grew up in a yeah. very strict Christian household, man. My mama yeah. did not play that. It yeah. was... It was, the books. Oh yeah, it was all gospel. All the, the I got exposed to like R and B soul because my aunt, my aunt Mina would make uh, CDs. She would like burn CDs, but like all her favorite uh, R and B. Yeah. So I would um, sneak and like when I go to my grandmother's house, I would sneak and like ask her like, "Yo, can I get you know what I'm saying a couple CDs?" Yeah. And I'm gonna just be outside playing basketball, like listening to the CDs she was making on uh, on my boombox. So she would do that after a while. Then she bought me, uh, her and my other aunt bought me a CD Walkman. And I would, and it, it was the one that had the uh, radio on it. Mm. <laughs> so I would sneak. <laughs> as soon as my parents go to bed, I, I would like find the radio station. And um, at the time, Neo Soul was like popping. Right, so yeah. I was hearing like all the Jill Scott records, Erica Badu, yes. Most Def, Common, Floyd Most Tree, Def. like on repeat. Um, or heavy R&B like Drew Hill, Aaliyah, uh, Tank, D'Angelo, like all of this stuff. But I had to sneak and listen to it, man. Like, yeah, from, especially like, D'Angelo. Oh yeah, yeah, my mom. <laughs> yeah, we had to sneak like watching music videos and yeah, I wasn't exposed to a lot of like other genres until like my teenage years. Yeah, yeah, that's when I started you think getting that hip to it. Being sheltered from that. Kind of actually made you want it more, or like absolutely gravitate it, right? It's like yeah, just just because I was a little rebellious, exactly. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I just wanted to <laughs> hear it, just because I'm like, why can't I hear? It? I'm not yeah. allowed to listen um, to this. Yeah. Well, now I definitely am gonna listen to it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And then when I realized what I was missing, it's just like, yo, why are we not able to listen to this? Like the first time I heard Talib Kweli, oh man, or I mean D'Angelo, his the first record I heard from him was uh, Brown Sugar. And that's because the movie had just, um, what well, was along with the movie or whatever. But yeah, man, like all of those genres, I wish I had been exposed to it a little a little earlier, but I yeah. mean, I don't regret it. Right. Yeah. Well, it's funny because all this, it's the same because my, my dad really, he really put a, a bunch of different music in front of me. He would, ma- and he would make me like take it apart. Be like, all right, yeah. so what's, what is this? Like, okay. All right. I still, do you know what, do you know what the violin's doing? Like I have to like sing the line or whatever. But there was stuff he didn't like. Even, yeah. even though he tried to put a bunch of stuff, he would be like, he would still put his opinion on things. He'd be like, uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think that's any good. And then uh, some of that stuff, I was, I think, was like, yeah, it, it did suck. But then there was a bunch that was like, no, that's good. No, I yeah. really like that now. Yeah, and yeah. the fact that you kind of didn't, he didn't stop me from listening to it, but just just him being like, no, it sucks. Yeah, I was like, yeah, okay, I'll avoid it then. I'm like. <laughs> You were wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like I was with our parents' generation too, man, like the way we got presented music, especially if you like grow up in a religious household. Yeah. It's like the re- like the reasons my mom didn't listen to that music because she's a singer. Right. But she's a killing singer. So it's like, mm. why wouldn't you let her listen to Aretha's R&B soul records? Oh, she could man. only listen to the, the time they brought her into church to do the, because that's how those records happen. Or mm-hmm. why can't she listen to a Gladys Knight or whatever? And she heard those songs before, because it's like, if y'all are going yeah. on dates and right. y'all not listening, to, especially not back then, the music wasn't like blending the way it is now. Right. So it's like, why wouldn't you? But they were told like, you know, 
you would go to hell like you weren't living a Christian lifestyle. So it was wow. it was so many different reasons like back back then why I, in my opinion why our parents couldn't digest or wouldn't accept versus us being like a lot more open minded. Um, even if we don't like it, we still give it a chance first to be like, okay, yeah. this just ain't my cup of tea. But you know, it's still music. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I love that. Uh, it is interesting how we our parents bias can affect that kind of for the rest of our lives because now you're like well yeah I've you kind of leaned into that stuff yeah I had to unlearn a lot like I spent I feel like majority of my 20s unlearning a lot yeah like yeah like even like just bad habits with like playing or with like even being biased because I was very biased to yeah different types of music and then when I started playing different styles after a while it grew on me and when I started writing, it kind of changed too, because I wasn't listening just as a drummer, so I didn't have to be like I used to not want to hear anything that didn't have drums. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But now yeah. it's like a lot of times, like I play a whole record with no drums yeah. just to give my ears a break. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's like my ears have changed over the years too, and I think that has a lot to do with um, why we have biases, especially yes. like early on. But well, like mm -hmm. I, I knew there, were, I had some of the same stuff. Like my brain, I, I, I want obviously. I was like, especially as a young player, you're like, it's got to have drums. Like it's got, right. yeah, it's got. I got it. And then like, you yeah, want it to be I good, really, yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I got you get in that weird mode. At least I did, where it became like, well, if the drummer is not like just destroying it, if the if the drummer doesn't just blow my mind, then it sucks. Right. I'm like. That was stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so so immature. <laughs> I, I, I know there was like probably a two or maybe three or four year period where I was like, yeah, you know, that's that that's really lame because so and so, is, you know, whatever. It's a pop punk record, and it's and the guy's not really any good. I'm like, that's right, right, wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of times, especially as young players too, like you don't really think about musical uh, music in like its totality. Right. It's like we just think about it from our instrument. So oh, for sure. we listen yeah. for our favorite drummer and for our favorite parts and our favorite, you know, whatever versus like, okay, he could have did all of this every song, but he had to play these records. Right. You know, he yeah. had to make this song feel like this. But we, I mean, it's, it's just a matter of just growing, yep. in my opinion, just like maturing and being, and exposure. Because like you said, like, your dad exposed you to multiple records. I would have loved for my mom or dad to be like, hey, right. I know this is what we play every Sunday, but we about to listen to Marvin Gaye. Yeah. We about to listen to oh, Bernard man. Groove with James Brown. We about to, like, if I had to had that early, oh my God. Yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> but like the exposure is just like, you know what I'm saying? It's, we all got different stories. So. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. We're the sum of all of our experiences, right? For sure. Musically and non-musically, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of had a similar background as well just going to college and then like i was more of like a rock jazz drummer but then nice. i was doing like percussion ensemble and then i was in a zappa tribute band sweet you know i was exposed to all these weird like on the fringe you know ensembles and things i didn't even know that were possible yeah and so talk about more of your time in, in college like you were doing the, the club scene were you exposed to any other you know genres or things that you maybe tried didn't like or um, you pretty much like found your niche during those years. Yeah, in college I did. That's when I did everything that wasn't. I mean, I was still doing gospel. I was still doing like you know church or gospel groups mm -hmm. and recordings. But that's when I first started doing like I did my first Christian rock band. I played like no that's when I got exposed to like the CCM side of church. I had, yeah. I had never been to yeah. any CCM or contemporary Christian yeah. you know environment. 
us recording with a band there in the uh, in the area in Greenville, North Carolina. Uh, I used to go to this open mic in Raleigh, North Carolina called Zydeco. Mm-hmm. Zydeco is like a, it was like a legendary, like a monumental musical part of like, if you came from the area, you, used to, you probably were sneaking in that club at like 16. Really? To, yeah, because that's where all the players were. Like in the yeah. city, like uh, a lot of the drummers that had went to school and went off or got big gigs, came back. Yeah. That would be the spot everybody the spot. comes. Yeah, so you would like see some of everybody kind of slide through. And um, I would go hang there. And when I started hanging there, that's when I kind of realized like, okay, this is what I'm like. I'm going to do this. Yeah. I'm going to play drums. I'm going to, you know, play music. Um, and then you mentioned after the injury too, football was at that point kind of, yeah, you had to make that choice, right? I was still kind of toying with it, especially mm-hmm. as a like, I was, you know, 21 probably yeah. at that time. And I did actually go back to school. I went to uh, Wesleyan College and I was playing ball still. Yeah. What did position get, were you? Um, out linebacker. Okay. Yeah, I played linebacker in college. Um, cool. When I got to Wesleyan, I just had too much ego. I was 21 mm-hmm. years old. I got hurt, came back, still was kind of was pretty much better than most of the defensive players. They were recruiting as top players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I was getting good at music, making a little bit of money. It was, I was an ego. <laughs> like, yeah, bro, I'm not the same guy. Yeah, um, I wouldn't have guessed that. <laughs> I'm, I'm meeting yeah, you, you know, for the first time here. But yeah, especially as an athlete, funny. you have to play with like a different, attitude a different energy to like thrive yeah. on the yeah, field top of the team right? yeah so it's like i was mean man yeah um, you, when you say that are you referring to like that like killer attitude or are you thinking like just raising your ego when you're playing because you have to both like at that time anyway like 21 22 year old howard was it was both because yeah. i knew how to play with it and i knew how to cut it on and cut it off but playing at in that environment coming from a, like a D1 college. Yeah. I just, I knew I was better. Yeah. And then it's different with like coaches. And so it was like, I became uncoachable because mm. I just mm. didn't want to listen because it was like- You were a problem. Is, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was on purpose. Yeah. And then finally I was just like, I just, like you said, I just went ahead and made a choice. Like I'm going to just do music because um, mm. at least with this, I'm going to get paid right away. But no yeah. serious risk of injury. Yeah. Know? I mean, more long-term for drummers, right? But yeah, for sure. You're not breaking your neck or anything serious. Yeah. Especially on defense. Risk. As a linebacker, that's a, you're right in the thick of all that action. Yeah, it's, yeah. High, it's high risk. But, I mean, it was it's fun, man. I love the game, so it was yeah. worth it. But in my next life, I'm a star quarterback. <laughs> I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. I can throw a mean spiral. So yeah. I, yeah. But I've never, I never played on a team or in school or anything. Dude, I was no good at team sports. And yeah, I, was, I was too, yeah. too skinny. I mean, all, I was, all, all I was ever good at was... <laughs> Martial arts <laughs> and drums. Yeah, that's pretty cool. But that's the same. The same. Actually, for me, it was at twenty one or twenty two. That's kind of. I was doing a ton of MMA. I was like, okay. what? That's what I was doing. Yeah. Like obsessive. And then one day, I'm like, yeah, but what am I doing with the drums? Like they're just they're just sitting there. I'm yeah. like, I'm playing them like a couple hours a week. This is this is stupid. I'm yeah. like, I'm not gonna. I don't want to be a professional fighter. I love this. This is great, but I don't want to do that. Yeah, I don't want to get punched in the face for a living. <laughs> I forget this. I'm like, and then I same same thing. I was I just like, I'm choice. flipping that switch. Yeah, like, let's just go. Forget it. What's that you said? You want to learn how to play drums, but you don't know where to begin? Let me humbly suggest to you that you head on down to Music Lab Nashville and you talk to their crew of fantastic teachers 
you jump on in and start your music journey right there. Don't want to learn drums? Want to learn guitar? Ukulele? Mandolin? Trumpet? Vocals? Keys? Sitar? Maybe not sitar, but all that other stuff for sure. Visit nashville.musiclab.co to learn more and sign up for a free trial lesson. That has come up a few times too, like just the parallels of sports and, and mm-hmm. drumming and music. What sort of takeaways maybe did you find from the two different activities? The first one was being a team player. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I feel like most of the MDs I've had like the chance to work with were, I've worked with quite a few like, I feel like solid MDs. Yeah. Whether they're like a big name or not, I've worked with like some really mature, solid guys which is dope to me because I know a lot of friends that don't have that experience. Yeah. And I have had like a few, you know what I'm saying, shitty experiences. But yeah, once I figured out um, how everything was working together, especially like my first time being taught kick and bass, you know, go hand in hand and how that was supposed to line up. Yeah, that even on, the, on our own instrument. Yeah, yeah that point. changed everything. Because you go the way I grew up in church, like I didn't grow up with a full band either. I grew up with just me and a keyboard player. Uh, oh. He was really just playing piano. So I didn't really, I didn't grow up playing with a lot of bass players, probably up until like I turned like 16, 17 years old and I uh, got to a bigger church. But I wasn't used to like just the the rules, quote unquote, or like, you know, the, the basics. That kind of opened up everything. Being a team player was probably, yeah, the biggest thing. Because, uh, like I said, I was very hot-headed, had an ego. Yeah. To the training, the practicing. like, And I just love drums anyway. Yeah. So it wasn't a problem for me to, like, practice. But once I started playing shows and having to actually, like, have time management, and I suck, you know what I'm saying, suck that time management. Yeah. Um, still struggle with it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> For yeah. real, for real. But yeah. it's like balancing like when you can actually sit down and, and practice. But in my younger years, man, I just I just played for hours, bro. Yeah. I would get up with my friends, you know, musical associates, brothers. I have, I have cousins that play and we would shed all the time. Mm-hmm. Like all the time. Every weekend, every chance we got during the week. Uh, if somebody can get into the church, we bring in drums and we working out for hours. Yeah. Uh, literally sun up to sundown. But yeah, like, it's a lot of takeaways from sports, in my opinion. Mm. I feel like a plot of music. Because, um, I mean, you, you're you working with people. Right. Like, and it, it won't work if you don't yeah, figure sure. out. And of course, know, that, that initial passion and drive has to be there for every Absolutely. player, every individual. Yeah. If you want to sustain yourself, yeah, for sure. Well, I've got a question regarding that that might be divisive and people will have different opinions on, but I, w- nope. I want to hear yours. What do you think, and I'll, I'll explain what I'm really meaning, what do you think the role is of ego for an artist? Because it seems to me that there are some people who think you should, like, well, you need to just, just get your ego entirely out of the way and do the thing. And some people are like, no, like, you need to have an ego to, yeah. to play. Like, you need to believe you're good. No, I do believe there's good ego. Yeah. There's a certain level of confidence that comes with ego yeah right like i feel like people with big egos we say they have big egos because we feel like they're too loud we feel like their attitude or their persona is a little bit too intense yeah and the reality is just like all right well he just hasn't pulled back you know what i'm saying his ego he he very well may not have to it might just be the insecurities of the environment or the yeah. you know the people around so i do feel like there is good ego because you need that you need to be confident you need to be sure you need to be and 
at the end of the day, as an artist, as a musician, as a performer, as an entertainer, people are expecting to see a certain level of ego anyway. They're saying, yeah. like, it comes with, you know, it's, it's swag, bro. It, yeah. it comes with, like, what we do, like, being 100%. on stage. So um, I just think it's when it's translated into you being an asshole, yeah. like, to people. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's like, Where, I don't Wherever to, that line is, that's what you don't cross. That's line. Oh, yeah. I think that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's just like you, yeah. like, when you show up, you know you can play drums, bro. You right. know you can play the gig. I got the gig. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? I know I'm here to... I'm here to whip ass, yeah. but that doesn't mean <laughs> I'm talking to you a certain kind of way, or I'm like yeah. not speaking. So to it's you almost like that's like, that's an intrinsic mindset, yeah. but you don't you're not necessarily portraying it. Or like you are maybe with the plane, yeah. But you're not treating people with that same, yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I feel like any any star athlete, like they all, or even like a celebrity politician, they have like a certain flair to them yeah yeah you know have you guys heard of the book uh 48 laws of power mm-hmm. yeah robert green oh, yeah. it kind of talks about that like you you kind of want to be polarizing to a bit to yeah. a certain degree yeah you know i, I think it's kind of like what we're talking about like yeah almost like be disliked for but it's a fine balance you know yeah. if you go too far with being an asshole or or being disliked for whatever that reason is then it's not going to benefit you yeah i don't feel i mean if you think about it this way nobody really trusts someone that doesn't have ego right i can't think of someone that's amazing that's great that didn't at least struggle with how to balance that so like right as a musician as a if i'm calling you to play my gig and you show up too timid and you show up a little too humble yeah like mm-hmm. one of the first things this is crazy one of the first things um i had an opportunity to meet but like yeah um, snarky when they first started touring and they came to Raleigh finally uh, to this uh, poorhouse and a friend of mine is really good friends with him he's like man you gotta come meet him he knew how much like Sput meant to my um, you know what I'm saying meant to me inspirationally anyway yeah. so he takes me up to meet him and at that time it's cool to be humble right? so everybody's you know deflecting like the Spider-Man meme basically yeah. like yeah. you know what I'm saying yeah. so they're on that yeah everybody's on that shit so <laughs> He introduces me. He's like, "Yeah, this is my boy Howard. He's amazing drummer. He's killing." I'm like, "Oh no, nah, man! Like, I'm, you know, I'm okay." And Spud's like, "Why are you saying that?" <laughs> I'm like, "No, nah, man. I'm just, you know, what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm okay. I'm cool." He's like, "No, nah, if he's telling you you're good, take that shit." Yeah, like, I love that. He said that to you. Yeah, that's, that's the first time that, meeting that you. That was my first time meet Spud. That's he literally what he out. said to me. Yeah, yeah he's like, "No, nah, take that shit, man. Like, you, if you could play, you could play." Yeah, yeah. But I, growing up, like, I grew up in church, so it's it's weird to be too. Right. You know what I'm saying? Too yeah. accepting of praise and then like Dude, I think that is one of that is a toxic thing that we can pick up from church. Yeah. Oh, like, for sure. Because I had that I'm like working out of being too timid. Yeah. Like I that is not it's held me back in my playing. Like the more I've gone, like, I don't know, I can just embrace I'm like, yeah, I know that I'm a good player. Yeah. The better I've played. Yeah. No, agreed. I feel like I've been on both extremes of the spectrum. Like I've I've been that guy because I was that guy and then I've also been like the best guy in the room yeah like and it's a midnight musical and it's seven groups getting ready to sing mm. and you're getting all of the attention because everybody knows you know what I'm saying your group you're playing with the hottest group and like yeah. everybody's anticipating and you know like you've learned your you know three new chops that week like and you yeah. <laughs> like it's a as, a as a young player bro it's a thing so it's right. like I've been that guy before too, like low key, like an asshole. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, like walking in with that type of energy, like. But I f- it just comes with growth, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I feel like the young guys that get it faster, 
they just last long because they understand. Like artists don't want to work with too many people. They have to worry about sharing their um their shine with. You yeah, know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like that's that's when I feel like ego is starting to like. All right, it's a little bit too much now. Like yeah, it's yeah. becoming a thing. But there are people who. One of whom I mentioned before we started recording. Well, I won't, I won't, I won't mention that name again. But it's the same. Where you're like incredible ability, and then just such a maniac in life, such an ego maniac. Yeah. You're like just loses gigs left and right. You're like, man, the, that, the plane gets yeah. him in the door, and then the personality gets <laughs> right him out. right back yeah. out the door. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Seeing that, like, I feel like that was already that was always a paranoia for me. Anyway, because like growing up, like I said, being the guy. I wasn't always the guy that was getting called. Right. And when you grow up in church, everybody could play drums. So there's like right. at least six other, like I had two other cousins that played right. that wanted to play drums. And, your fam- right. and they, <laughs> they want to. We all showing yeah. up with sticks, bro, sitting yeah. on the front row waiting for the offering. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. that's our time to, to get a chance and you might not get to play or you do. But yeah. the moment you get to play and you mess up mid song, you don't wait till the song is over. It's if you're messing up too bad mid song, you're getting up. Really? You know oh, yeah. Talk about pressure. Yeah, yeah. You're getting up, bro. In front of everybody. I don't care how big the crowd is, bro. The congregation (laughs) can be 50 or it can be 300. Like, so going through that, like. Did that ever happen to you? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, man. Especially like my older cousin, because, I mean, he was older. He already knew how to play. He's playing with bands. So um, I've had a couple of experiences where two very memorable experiences where I had to get up because I was terrible with tempos. You know what I'm saying? I was just, I was always playing everything too fast, especially as a kid. Is there like a click at that point? Oh, no. The whole, not, yeah. Well, not where, not growing up like the way I, I grew up in like an older Baptist church. Right. In the country. And we were like, we were just getting to the point of doing like contemporary songs, like more hip songs, uh, the more our piano player grew. And then after a while, they were like bring in a couple people. I got older, met some more friends, would have them come. But as far as like a, a loop or a click or I didn't get exposed to like the MPC and loops until I was probably like 19 years old, mm-hmm. like 18, 19. And that's because I started making beats. Yeah. And then I figured out, you know, and I started asking about like machine drum machines and a lot of the musical directors I was working with at the time would just put me around it, show me how to use it. But yeah, I think uh, growing up with that type of pressure, don't matter what age you are. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it it definitely kept you humble, I'm sure. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah. I was always, I hate losing, though. (laughs) (laughs) Bro, I hated losing. So it was like, if it's going to be one of out of the six, I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the one, bro. It was just like, I I went home, I got better. I would set up phone books, pillows. Bro. Like, my bedroom was a drum kit. Because, I man, I didn't get a drum kit until I was like, uh, high school, 15. My cousin play keyboard in a quartet group and they gave me their old drum set uh, him and my dad are like best friends they're cousins but they're best friends he gave my dad mm-hmm. a drum set for me and it was a it's gonna ask pearl um export, export. cream color add it to your list <laughs> with the uh told you with the turn knob um pearl export yep. yeah yeah that was one of my first kits and that's what i there's been this common threat there's a, not everybody but a lot of the a lot of the people we've talked to have been like, yeah, Pearl Export, like first kit. Like, yeah. We need to do some type of, I don't like a, either a social media thing or just like an email spreadsheet and like actually ask everyone first what their first kit, kit is. Yeah, I, I, cool. I would actually I don't know like what to know. we'll do with yeah. that, but it could be fun. Just like a, 
That's a cool fun you know fact. I mean? Yeah. Everybody's yeah. first like first just compare kid. and just see yeah. who had CBs and who had pearl exports. Yeah. yeah. Or the first drum kit that you bought yourself. Right. Oh man. Yeah. It's a different feeling. <laughs> but it's your own wallet. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, you're in the guitar center or whatever and just that's when you figure out you got an addiction. <laughs> yes. That's when you, you figure it All out. All right, what was your first kit then? Uh it, I'm not saying this for the hype. It really was a Mapex M Birch series. Yeah. I was working at I was working at Guitar Center, but somebody brought it in the Sandmash right across the street. And I saw it. It was like forest green. It had the wood hoops on the kick drum. They had the floating floor toms. 14, 14, 16, 16. They were huge. Wow. To be floating. But yeah, crazy. <laughs> sounded amazing. Um bought that kit used for three fifty. <laughs> 10, 12, 14, 16. Are you kidding me? Wow. Nope. <laughs> it's like a snare drum right now. Yeah, it was basically 300 yeah. Uh, but they had brand new heads on them. I asked them, could they put the bottom on it? It was like 50 bucks. Walked out with 350 Hardware, too. Oh, wow. Yeah. God. The <laughs> SM series hardware they had. Yeah. That's my first kit. Wow, man. <laughs> That's a hell of a first kit. Yeah. That's awesome. What are you rocking these days? Now I'm playing uh, Mapex Saturn Evolution. Okay. Um, that's the kit I've been using with Yola. And I'm also playing um, Armory. Okay, dude. Cool. Yeah, and actually, actually, that's that's a perfect segue because I wanted to ask how that gig came about. Same way the other ones came about, man. Yeah. Literally. Uh, Dominus. Shout out to Ryan. Yeah. Uh, my boy Ryan Connors hit me up during um, like the back end of COVID. Mm-hmm. And I had went back home to Carolina for a couple weeks. And I'm getting sick. It's coming back and forth, but I didn't know Nashville was like back up and going. Yeah. Um, he calls me, he's like, Hey man, you're back, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, I think I got a gig for you. You wanna do it? I'm like, cool. And he's like, it's with Yola. I'm like, okay, word. And he had just like he had the gig for about a year. I just didn't know that's what he was doing because it was still kind of COVID right uh, happening. Sent me the music, man, I fell in love with the gig instantly. Just cause I could just hear like how much fun it was going to be. Yeah. Um, and then it's always fun when you get to play with people, you know? So I was looking forward to it. He set it up for me to um, go do dinner with Yola. He got COVID. Um, so I ended up having to go meet her by myself. Mm. I'm like super paranoid, super yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what to expect. Right. And it was like, where'd that meeting take place? At her house. Okay. Like we had, we had dinner, like she had a couple of people over and, we end up clicking right away, like that's awesome. Like siblings, she's that's literally amazing. like we have very similar upbringings, mm. uh, very similar family trees, um, <laughs> like very, mm. very identical um, similarities. So it was just, it just worked. Yeah, like as a person, yeah, like, we kind of click. Um, that's so lucky when that does happen. Yeah, you know, man. Cause I'm sure we've all had, you know, good gigs, but maybe not, you know, gel in that way. No, for with, sure. With the, the camp. And I think that's, yeah. the artist, that's probably yeah. the, the difference maker between a, a gig that you really do want to keep. Like, oh, yes. Yeah. And probably those are the ones that you, they want to keep you too. Like it's, it's synergistic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it was like instant, bro. And it, it wasn't forced. It wasn't like ingenuine. It was, it was very authentic from, from day one. I don't even think we talked about music that first conversation. <laughs> it was like the that's next time we got up. Yeah, yeah. It was like that next time we linked up, we talked, I think that was Thanksgiving. Came back home for Christmas. I'm sorry. Came back for Christmas and 
we finally talked about music and finally <laughs> talked about like a few details, like you know what the gig was like or whatever. Yeah. And the next time I saw her was in rehearsal. Wow. Well, not next time I saw her, but the next time we actually, you know, got together and yeah. and worked was was in rehearsals. Um, and what's your role in that gig? Are you uh, director, drummer? No, I'm just playing drums. Just drummer, um, okay. Yeah, Ryan is uh, the musical director. Gotcha. Uh, for Yola. Um, yeah, I'm just serving drum chair. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good chair. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> fun, man. It's, it's been a good ride. Dude, awesome. When did that start? So technically, tour was this year. Okay. Our first show was at the Ramen yeah. in um, late February, yeah. I believe. So yeah, started this year. You have any, anything coming up in the area? Uh, not in the area. Um, the last thing. That was a can... selfish question because I was like, oh, I just, just want to go catch it. But <laughs> nah, um, I should have just asked if you if, if you got dates coming up. But I was like, I want to go. I want to go. Nah, you good? We did. Uh, we just played. Um, I don't want to get it wrong and someone get mad. Is it something on the green? Live on the green. Live on the green. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We just did live on the green. Yeah, I was there. Um, oh, nice. I mean, I, was, I didn't oh, catch every, every act, but yeah, yeah, we did live on the green. And Ramen was the only Nashville shows we've done this year. We got a few dates coming up for San Jose. When's this episode coming out? Because I don't want to say something too early. Oh, Fr- yeah, sometime next month, probably. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, we're doing the AMAs, so we got that yes. coming up. Just haven't made oh, the yeah. announcement yet, but cool. yeah. dude, that's awesome. Yeah, so cool. we got that coming up next month. Then we're done for the year uh, with her. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. How was it playing the Ryman? I'm sure for a lot of drummers, that's like a, a bucket list gig, especially Music, in Nashville. Musicians in general. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. I'm going to be honest, and a yeah. lot of people probably will get mad at me for saying no, this. No, we want the honesty. I didn't really have a bucket list for venues okay. because as a drummer- This is what I'm saying. Like yeah. for a while, I just, I was so locked in on like producing records and writing records. Like I, did, I don't think I reached that part of like the dream. Like yeah. it was like, for me, it was more so like, I just want to be in that environment in that arena around those type of guys and right, I feel like music I made takes it. you yeah, yeah. Like that was cool but like the only uh, like if I had to say an arena where I was just like oh, okay yeah I definitely want to play there was because I always heard everybody talk about it was like Madison Square right. yeah. Staples Center uh, yeah. U2 Arena yeah but that's just like who doesn't know about you know those right um, but yeah I didn't really I didn't <laughs> most of these venues that we've played where everybody's like yo you playing there and I'm like yeah I had no clue like of the history outside of the Fillmore's. Uh, I knew mm-hmm. like we did Fillmore yeah. in San Francisco. I was familiar with that. Uh, Talia Hall in Chicago. I was familiar with that one. But like, bro, to be honest, like I was so lost when a lot of people were like, like kind of blown away that you yeah. doing, like is it is that is that a big deal? Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah. A lot of people would kill to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had to go in like the green room and see like who's been there, or, like right. see the wall and who's signing. I'm like, holy shit! Like this yeah. is. I guess it is a big deal, but yeah, bro. I hadn't, I wasn't hip. Like I didn't, I wasn't hip at all. Yeah, dude. That's I'm a hundred percent on the same page. I'm like, and I, we, this actually just came up in our last podcast. I'm like, I have not had a bucket list where I wanted to play. Just recently, I was like, you know what? I really want to play Red Rocks. Yeah, because because <laughs> now that multiple of my people have have played, I mean, yeah. you always see so and so live at Red Rocks, and there'll be a recording. I'm like. All right, well, like Dave Matthews and all these different players. I'm like, all right. But then when when Taylor said he played Red Rocks, he was like, no, it's like the most incredible thing. I'm like, why don't I have bucket list venues? I should, yeah. I should yeah. have, I should, there sh- I should have places like you said, Madison Square. Like, yeah, yeah, I, I need to be able to cross that off. Yeah, like I, I, yeah, I probably have just those three. Like I've actually, I played, 
I played Red Rocks like years ago, right? Yeah. Was posting pictures. This is when I was just like probably heavy on Facebook. Yeah. Um, before Instagram was really popping. Yeah. And reposted the picture on Instagram one day, and it like just like did numbers. As yeah. far as like, you know, a bunch of people were like saying like, yo, when did you do this? I'm like, oh, I did this like a while back. Yeah. And they're like, yo, you played Red Rock? Oh, I'm you're like, a drummer? I was like, dude. Yeah, yeah basically. <laughs> what have you been following me on Facebook <laughs> yeah. for? <laughs> yeah, bro. I had no clue. It was like, <laughs> I had no clue. And I should have known because of who we were like opening for. Yeah. But I just. Who who were you opening for? Um, The artist we were playing with, uh, she was opening for Pally Bell. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But it was like um, she was so she was um, Patty's saxophone player, and we had been. She does like a lot of smooth jazz. Uh, yeah, I don't want to keep calling it, but that's what the circuit is. She was doing like a lot of smooth jazz um, gigs. Yeah, we got the call, so I, I just I was just showing up, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I was just showing up at yeah. that point. Well, there's something to be said, right? I feel like that's probably if you had to pick a side to, of, of to be healthy, like of being too hyped about where you're playing and like those. Yeah. Those things that don't really matter versus yeah. like the music. It should always right. be about the music and what the gig actually is. And then like you f- you reflect back and you're like, oh wow, I actually played there. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. I like, mean, well, I mean, yeah. you could play. Not that this usually happens, but you could play giant arena gigs and then, but not be paying your bills. Really, like, right? If you're paying your bills, cool, great. Like that's number one. Like mm. handle your life. Yeah, and then right. after that, it's like, okay, yeah, it's really badass that I got to play these awesome venues and I got to cross that off. Yeah, Those are legendary. Awesome. But like, I don't know, responsibility is probably the most important thing. Yeah, take know. care of business. Yeah. yeah, I feel like it's, yeah, it's like a, they still, like, they go hand in hand because yeah. it's like a lot of the venues or, or at least some of them hold like a, you know, rich history of like yeah. when they were built, why they were built in those areas, like, you know what I'm saying? Not even just with who came through, but it's like, okay, why did they get this artist? And, yeah. you know, what was going on at the time? So it's like, I do get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, they they hold history, but I just wasn't, when I wasn't exposed to it, right. I wasn't exposed to why that mattered. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And what part that played. Um, yeah, I just wasn't hip, bro. Well, yeah, yeah. To bring it back to like your life experiences, like, why would you be overhyped about something that like you said, you didn't, you, it was generally, you know, you weren't being rude or anything. You yeah. generally didn't know. Yeah. You know? Like, by the time I probably started getting excited about venues, it was because it was because DVDs were coming out and you could see the live, everybody was doing like the the live shows. Like, I saw yep. the, the just, I had the Justin Timberlake DVD, I had the Stevie Wonder DVD, Beyonce, mm-hmm. uh, both of those, the Destiny's Child, like, and you would see those venues, but it was mostly live in New York at Madison Square. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Live at YouTube Arena, yeah. live at, you know, Staples Center. It was those venues. I didn't really know about, like, really the touring. If you really want to be honest, it's really the touring venues that a lot of times we have, like, on our bucket list. Right. Because the stadiums are kind of, we all know what they are. Yeah. But, yeah, I just I wasn't exposed, bro. I didn't, I didn't know. Do you get more nervous playing in front of, like, five, ten people? That's Let's say family and church versus, like, arena gigs or... The venue and the gig at this point, like I probably get more excited the bigger it is because I'm just excited to hear like what drums sound like in there, what the yeah. music is going to translate. So I'm actually pretty excited. I only get nervous depending on like who's there. Mm. Like yeah. if my kids are there, my family, it's like I'm still eight year old looking out there to see if like they, you know, smiling at me. Yeah. Doing something yeah. Did I, yeah, did I like, make you proud? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like I don't really. <laughs> 
I used to get kind of nervous about the shows or whatever, but after, like now I'm so like whatever when it comes to the music that I want to be able to just play it in my sleep anyway. I don't really, I kind of eliminate that now. Yeah. But yeah, like depending on who's out there, I've been like that with certain relationships too. You know what I'm saying? Like people who support you, like you want to make them proud. You want them to be, hmm. you know, uh, proud of you. So yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I still have like a, Definitely, I have that with with family, and whenever I get to play on the West Coast, I'm like, man, I'm, I know because my world is so separate because that's where all my family is, is over there. Yeah, my life and relationship to most of my family is so separate from the fact that I play music for a living. They're like, they're aware that I do that. I'm like, yeah, that's that's what he's doing. He's in, living in Nashville, but if I were to play music in front of them, I feel like I'd be so. I mean, aside from like my dad, my my mom, but I'd yeah. be so fucking nervous to play in front of the rest yeah, of my family. Be, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I want to like impress probably. you. <laughs> like, I'm doing, I'm doing good. Everything's yeah. good out here. But well, like, how do I? To show what you? you always say, like at that point, your your conscious brain is not focusing on what it should be. Right. And right? so then you're probably gonna mess up or just yeah, not play I'll, as well as you I'll can. I just yeah, I was just picturing myself in that situation. I'm like, yeah. wow, that would mess me up. Yeah. Yeah. And majority of the time, like. Because they don't, it's not that they don't understand what's going on, but right. what we do is already so much more complex. We just don't realize it a lot of time. Yeah. But it's already so much more complex that they're blown away that it's like you can play. Yeah. And then they're blown away that you're playing a show. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not talent show anymore. They're not just showing up to hear you with a track. It's like <laughs> people are right. paying money to see yeah, your son die. Right. And the yeah. environment, and like they get the experience, like, you know what I'm saying? From the, so it's like a whole thing. And, if you played the show, the probably the most basic, they're still gonna be blown away. Yeah. So once I kind of yeah, figured exactly. that out, it's like, oh shit, let me just let me just play. Yeah. Like, let me just be myself. That's a good let mindset. Kind of eliminate that expectation. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I was getting like that. Like when my parents finally started coming to like my parents came to the first secular concert or gig in like 2000, right before I moved. Like Whoa. literally right before I moved. Probably when I was started letting people know like I was getting ready to leave type Bob and what did that mean to you to have them there for that oh it was dope it was everything bro because like my dad was already like my dad's always been supportive he just he drives trucks and yeah. like he works so he was just never able to like make gigs but my dad definitely would but for my mom to put herself in that environment because it wasn't even about the music at that point like she's listening to other stuff now like she's very open yeah. to you know what I'm saying or I won't say very open I ain't gonna put it out like that but she's like a little open <laughs> she's open yeah. she's more yeah, open than she was saying, yeah. to, to R&B and so like she's listening she's hip you know what I'm saying to what's yeah. going on in like pop culture or whatever so but for her to put herself in an environment was like super dope it was wow. it was pretty cool mm-hmm. um, yeah it was pretty dope awesome dude yeah, I love that well what's next for you? AMAs and I'm uh, finishing my record, working on an EP. I have two other artists I'm producing right now. When's that when's um, that EP coming out? I don't have an so I don't have an exact date for the release. I am releasing a single next month and I am doing a private listening party in February. Sweet. I'm still kind of figuring it out. I'm a I'm getting better with the whole artist having a date deadline and yeah being that person for it makes this. it makes a big difference yeah it's way different bro it's a different <laughs> it's a different animal for sure yep. so i'm trying to figure that out but i am um yeah i am working on that 
I am um, working on a few other things. I, I want to kind of pull together for like virtual lessons because uh, a lot of people have been asking about that. So I'm not really a heavy video guy like most people probably think. That's why it takes me so long to, to post up. So I'm figuring it out to where it works for me and for everybody else. And, that, and that's how it should be, if, you know, for you first yeah. and foremost. You know, yeah. Because like, as soon as it starts to become a chore and it's detracting from your life and then it's a problem. Right? Yeah, I, I got to be like in that mood, in that, you know, vein yeah. to, to get certain things done a lot of times. Sure. So, yeah. But I am like, I want to like provide some some more content because people have been asking. So I've been working on that and just getting ready for the next year, man. I'm already kind of in the first quarter of next year, honestly, nice. mentally. Cool. Yeah. I'm trying yeah, to get that. Yeah. It's awesome. I was going to also ask kind of a good segue too, just in terms, like, I'm fascinated that you're doing all these different things, right? Like you're not just drumming, but you're producing and directing and going on tour. Yeah. You mentioned lessons, um, working with a bunch of other artists, and then your own music, right? Yeah. Do you have different tactics for balancing all of that and, and staying you know, mentally fit and healthy and maybe other activities away from the drums? I am honestly figuring out what that balance looks like yeah. now because this tour with Yola was way more intense than I probably anticipated. Uh, I think than everybody anticipated, honestly. Like we had a really pretty good turnout, yeah. But um, touring is a lot, you know. what I'm saying like touring is, is even good touring is yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah. The, the tour is the tour is amazing. Like the tour is great. Like I love the crew. I love the band. Like everybody is is who you would want to work with in in high stress situations. But that's just what it is. It's high stress situations. Yeah. The yeah. load ins, the loadouts, schedule. When you can eat, when you can't eat, when you sleep, when you can't sleep, when you do sleep, it's in a bunk. It's mm -hmm. not like we're on like city to city. We're not like staying in a hotel yeah. and have time because we have to get to the next city. How many shows was it, that tour? And how long was that that last? The first leg was uh, from the end of February till the first week in May. So we did about mm. eight weeks, seven, yeah, um, seven and a half weeks, but eight weeks plus two weeks of rehearsal. And then this last lay we just did was six and a half weeks with like a week of like spot dates. So really like another seven weeker. So not, not a lot of breathing room, it sounds yeah. like. More like four, yeah, four shows a week. And then you got yeah. three travel days in between. And really it's not like, it sounds like to most people it probably sounds like, oh, okay, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, but it's more like. Monday, 3 a.m., we get there just in time for load-in Tuesday. Don't have time to eat. You got to set up, sound check, yeah. do the gig. Some shit went wrong with the board, and now we got to go to, you know, figure that out. And now sound check's pushed back an hour, which means makeup is pushed back an hour for Yola. And, yeah. like, the whole schedule is, yeah. like, whatever. Do the show. <laughs> yeah. That's got to start on time. You yeah. still got to have that ready. Change clothes, be back to the bus because bus call is one a.m., one thirty to the next city for three yeah. nights back to back. Yeah, different, and, th and that's a good situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Very, like, I, that's probably the smoothest it can go. But you talking about like different <laughs> yeah. cities, yeah. different cultures, different environments, different stagehands. This city was cool, but this next city they only got four, and they're all assholes, or yeah. they're or they're <laughs> cool, but they just inexperienced. And yeah, now you got to be patient. But you on a top like it's bro yeah. tour is a lot. It's yeah. a lot. So like um, I'm like I've told this to multiple people like, yeah, man, I really wanna I just really wanna go and tour. I'm like, 
But do you though? Yeah. Especially because if you're awake, yeah. you're working. Yeah. <laughs> if you're awake, I'm like, and you'll be awake all but five hours a day. Like you'll get a little bit of sleep on most of these tours because a bunch of them, unless you're on, on the really good ones, you're driving too. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 those tours yep. for sure. Like yeah. yeah, it can get pretty brutal, yeah. bro. Yeah. Um. I just I feel like I've been trying to find that balance. Um. With one the the core group of friends I got like the I had to quickly assess who I talk to every day because yeah. I'm a I'm an introvert, bro. I don't like most people f- probably feel like I'm a socialite when I'm out. Mm. That's just because I feel like we have to to a degree. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of the um, same way. But yeah, bro, like I'm very much I'm a homebody. I'm in the crib. I'm <laughs> I rather record from home than yeah. go to a session. I rather do like <laughs> minimal activity. Yeah. With a lot of people, because I when I have to be around people, I'm around a lot of people, and it's like yeah, and it's exhausting. It's, it yeah, very sure. draining, bro. Yeah. So um, yeah. mentally, I very much so like had to assess that I relationships like because I give so much when it comes to relationships and like people, I have to like monitor that on the road. And the first leg, I did terrible, mm-hmm. like for, uh, terrible. Bro, I was ready to go home. And it, the tour was great. It was just because of like balancing home and like the road stuff. You have to dedicate to where you are um, with certain gigs. So yeah, bro, I like got my core group together and made sure that everybody understood like the nature of what I do. Like not just what you see on my Instagram story. Like yeah, right before I get ready to go on stage and then the food that I ate that day. Like. That's the cool shit, but it's yeah. like if you're gonna be in my circle as like a close friend, you have to be there for me. Like, yeah, when it's the bad times and yeah, you know, everything. It's you know get to pick and choose, right? Yeah, man. Like having somebody to talk to is really the key. Like even if it's um, not therapy, like just yeah. having that person you can like vent to, and it be a safe space. Um, yeah, I, I tried to establish that like midway through the first leg of the tour, and by this last leg, I was I was cool. Yeah, like I got like my mm-hmm. group, and then. Outside of that, bro, it was more so like just health stuff. Like, it had nothing to do with the music. <laughs> it yeah, was all exactly. like you eat like shit for the most part when you're on tour. Cause it's depending on what time you get out, nothing's yeah. open, or you gotta yeah. find a bar, get bar food. Um, yeah, like, oh, I'm really hungry. Well, what's available? Well, Taco Bell's available. Yeah. <laughs> Great. Sounds like me in East Nashville yeah. any night of the week. Yeah, bro. Like Need more late night spots. <laughs> Besides so, cookout. Yeah, true. That part. God yeah. bless cookout. But yeah, it's like a it's a thing, man, trying to figure that out. Yeah, well, it's, it sounds like it, you're in a good spot and like you have that awareness, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, we're all going through our own journeys and. For sure. We don't have it yet figured out, I'm sure. Yeah, it's getting there, though. We just, that's what life is. It's trying to find that balance. That's perfect. What's your favorite place in Nashville to eat? Ooh, that's a really good question. Yeah. You and you know what? You can do like a top. You can you can do like a top tier. Like, okay. I cool. like this and this and this. I got top three. Okay. Eastern Peak. Oh yeah, I haven't been there yet. What's oh, your favorite at Eastern Peak? Oh man, I love the uh, lettuce wraps are fire. The uh, raccoons are fire. Yes, they are. The I normally get like the drunken noodles. 
Fire. Dude, you ever, Fire do, you ever, you ever do the uh, cashew nuts chicken? Fire. Bro, every time. <laughs> Bro, it's, it's not, you're not going to get anything bad from Easter nope. Pete. That's probably why they're like number one for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like, is it pig leg? Pork? Yeah, right by Rudy's. Yeah. Yeah. Pig leg is good. So I'm not like heavy on the pork. Yeah. But my good friend took me over there and I had some bad and I, I slipped up. I slipped up <laughs> I did bro But it's worth it Pig yeah. leg is killing Yeah, I, I went there the, When we first Got to Nashville I haven't been I need to go again I was just yeah, talking about Like great Just had Just had Martin's For breakfast the other morning I was like Martin's is cool breakfast. I had Martin's I know Martin's Savage. for breakfast dude Yeah they got good pieces <laughs> They're pretty good uh, Jack Brown Burgers Yeah uh, Yeah Jack Brown Yeah, oh, yeah. Never heard, I need to write that? these down Oh bro yeah, Bro, I'm gonna send you. Yeah, so everybody's gonna laugh at me when I say this. So there's like two or three drummers here <laughs> that have Yelp pages. Oh yeah, with fire restaurants on the list, bro. Yeah, seriously, I sent them to you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like 50 plus restaurants on this yeah. list. Yeah, all right, they're serious about it. Let me send it, dude. I got you. You know Marcus Finney. Marcus is one of the first, one of the first drummers I met when I got here. Yeah, so I'm just, I was thinking back to him as the foodie if he would be on that list. He's Marcus, yeah, Marcus probably has his own. I'll be seeing the uh, the cooking post, like the, dude. We, yeah. t- we talked a lot about that with, oh, that's with what's him. Up. It was yeah, yeah, was, was so mind fun. mind blowing yeah, the way he the way he thinks about some it. Some of my I, favorite episodes. He he yeah. does great reviews. Yeah, I saw he was dope in the kitchen. That's why. <laughs> Cool, man. Well, Howard, it's so good to meet you, and Likewise, it's a pleasure getting to chat with you. Appreciate you guys having give us, me, man. Give yeah. the people uh, your socials and where people get a hold of you. You can find me on Instagram at HowWeHow. That's with three W's. Um, YouTube, you can type in Howard Artist, Howie Artist, known as Howie Too. Um, yeah, that's it. Music coming soon. I'm excited to share some more with you guys. Can't wait. Yeah, Thank man. you. For sure, bro. Thanks for listening to this episode of the National Drummers Podcast. If you liked it, please consider leaving us a review on the Apple Podcast app. Also, check out our new website, nashvilledrummerspodcast.com. And if you're not already following us on Instagram, you can follow us at Nashville Drummers Podcast. This episode was recorded at Diamond Sound Studios located in Nashville, Tennessee. Sponsored by Music Lab Nashville. Production by The Wise Company. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode. episode.